Are you ready to start being visible? Well, you have come to the right place. Welcome to the Start Being Visible podcast. My name is Mildred Talabi. I've spent most of my working life mastering the art of personal branding in my career as a former journalist and communications professional and in my business, which has taken on various forms over the years. I now spend my time championing and coaching women to increase their influence, income and impact through being visible on platforms like LinkedIn and beyond. In this podcast, I'm going to be sharing with you my insights into the journey to be invisible, as well as bringing you amazing, candid conversations with female leaders who have chosen to step out of the shadows and into the limelight in their work lives. Now, I want you to hit the subscribe button and get ready to start your own journey to be invisible with today's episode. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Start Being Visible. Now, one of the reasons that I started this podcast is because in my line of work as a LinkedIn visibility and personal branding coach for female leaders and business owners, I tend to come across so many amazing women, some of whom I have the pleasure of calling a client. Now, because of this, I've decided to introduce a new segment to the show where alongside the solar episodes where you get to hear from me and my own insights into um, your journey to be invisible and the guest interviews where I'll be bringing you amazing conversations with incredible women who have stepped out of the shadows and into the limelight in their work lives. I've also decided to introduce a segment that I'm calling Client Spotlight, just so that you can get to meet some of the incredible women that I get to work with and hear some of their own stories and their journey on their whole journey to be invisible and how transformative it has been and the challenges and all of that that's involved. So my guest for this first client spotlight is an awesome lady called Monwara Ali. Now, Monwara has a varied career in the public and civil society sector, which spanned over 32 years. Her leadership journey, however, started as a senior youth practitioner at the age of 18. And when then she went on to be a trustee, a chair of a company, including doing an internship in South Carolina, USA, where she worked with prisoners on death row at the tender age of 20. Now, Mawara is incredibly passionate about leadership and how instrumental it is to developing services for the community and also about advocating for the most vulnerable. She has led teams of passionate people developing ambitious programs that tackle social inequality and invested in skills, capability and talent at local level in the UK and in Bangladesh. Mawara is currently the chief executive of Wolf on Forest Community Hub, which is a leading charity that's known for their collaborative and agile approach in working at grassroots level. She is also a recent winner of the Prestige Award. And as, on top of everything else that Mawara does, she also mentors and coaches women leaders through the Trailblazer program, which she'll tell us more about in just a second. So with all of that said, <laughs> welcome to the show, Mawara. Hi, Mildred. <laughs> Hello. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It's such a pleasure to have you today and to discuss your incredible work. So I've read your bio and there's there's so many interesting things about your bio. So can you kind of just bring us up to speed on what it is that you do today in terms of your day job? What does an average day in your life look like? 
Well, first of all, thank you, Mildred, for having me. It's so exciting to be on your podcast. I feel so proud to be part of this journey. And uh, in terms of my role, I'm currently a chief exec of a charity in Wolfham Forest. It's a small charity, and that's my day job. Um, four days a week, that's what I do. Apart from that, I do a bit of coaching and mentoring, particularly and specifically focusing on women. But apart from that, I also do a little bit of international development work. I think um, you might have uh, mentioned earlier um, building homes for widows and divorcees in Bangladesh. So that's what I do in a nutshell. But apart from that, I kind of, you know, anywhere I feel um, a new project or a innovation could possibly be something to look into, I'm interested and I'm, I embrace it. Fantastic. I love that. So leadership is something that is important to you as, you know, as, as it's clear from the path where you've taken and from where you started. Why does leadership matter so much to you? What's, what's the, what, what's the, I want to say, what's the big deal about leadership, but, but you understand. So what, what is it about leadership that appeals to you so much? I think it's understanding myself and um, it's one of the things I explore quite deeply in a lot of the social media that I do, as well as um, my role as a chief exec. One thing I realized when I was reflecting on my own past was most of my roles were leadership roles, except that um, culturally, um, I have always been led to believe I need to be, you know, not visible and um, not hog up space. So uh, it's something that I've always felt that I did in the background. And it makes me realize as well that sometimes when people like myself do not step up, um, then we do get wrong people in positions. Sometimes those people don't want to be in those positions. But in the absence of people like myself not having the courage to step up, we do end up with the wrong kind of leadership. So um, I feel it's very important for me because I feel when we can lead ourselves and be more confident, that's when we can lead others. And um, when my self-awareness led to better self-leadership, it made me realize that this is the starting point. And I want to open the doors or in a way, a bit like what you did with the visibility journey, you know, until you unleash the monster in me, no, I had no idea. I had no idea like visibility would do what it does. And I can see the influence I'm having on other people um, through my visibility. I can see that as a chief exec of a small charity, it's so crucial for me to be visible because funders see and hear uh, from me. And I talk about the charity. I talk about um, a lot of my thoughts are going to be around my values, um, the culture within our organization is going to become more obvious through senior leaders, conversations and thoughts that they share, which I think a lot of us in the small charity sector, uh, sector are really shy about. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think leadership is important for me. I feel that people on a grassroots level, uh, the people working in the coalface, as they say, um, the charity and the non-profit sector, the, the sector where actually we don't focus so much on commercial side of money. Mm. Um, it's so important that we get the right people because having the right leaders that are confident 
and understand their own ability to transform communities. That's the only way change can happen. Mm. There's so many things that you said there that I definitely want us to to pick up on, especially around the visibility side of things, because this show is about start being visible. Um, but you mentioned that culturally, you were not expected to be visible. In fact, it's quite the opposite that you you felt that you had to be invisible culturally. Can you can you talk a bit more about that and and what kind of cultural expectations you felt were placed on you in that element? I think I, I've heard friends and family members say things like, "Oh, I don't like to put my photo on social media because that's showing off." And, you know, I don't want to be show, showing off. Somebody else has said, you know, some friends have said things like, oh, it's sinful. Um, also, um, I think it, it's not just specific to being Asian or being Muslim, but it's also a gender issue, generally speaking. Um, I feel that culturally we're led to believe that men have those roles and their role is very much to tell us what to do. And that means they should be the leaders and we should be the people that work behind the scenes to make them a success. Um, and, you know, that's if you really think deeply at the crux of what we all know to be or actually quite often advocate is behind a successful man is a woman. Even those words behind a successful man is a woman. Just mm. think about what it's saying and what it's telling the generations of women out there that we're not meant to be taking the roles at the front. We're meant to be from behind. And uh, also quite recently, if we're just thinking about recently, I, when I traveled abroad, a family member, female family member in quite a high position said to me, doesn't matter what you do, do you think you're going to go ahead of men? I wasn't trying to go ahead of men. I just had some ideas and and I acted upon them and there was nobody to stop me from acting upon my ideas mm -hmm. except her. And I realized, okay, so she, because of this female, again, gender issues, in a way she was doing, creating the barrier mm -hmm. for women to be in the forefront. So I think that's what I mean when I say culturally, we are led to believe, and and I many women tell me, um, but you know we don't see women in positions of responsibility or positions of power. Um, the one or two we do see, um, there's so much criticism out there about them being either too nice or uh, you know their their manner isn't isn't a certain way or they're not dressing in a certain way. Mm, yeah, so. Are you married, Mumwara, on a personal? I am. My husband is very supportive. Because okay. <laughs> I wanted to understand how that plays out as well in, in your marriage. Because, yeah, I do understand some of those cultural um, implications. I'm from a Nigerian background. So, yes, there are the traditional views of sometimes what a man should be doing or a woman should be doing, especially in a husband and wife relationship. So I can totally appreciate that. But um, but your husband is 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 on board. He's all cool with all of this. <laughs> is that correct? <laughs> he is. He's he's always been very supportive. But that doesn't change the culture yeah. that he and I have been brought up in. I mean, ironically, most of the allies I've had in my life have been men. Mm. But those men, even though they've pushed me, I've always thought that it wasn't acceptable for some reason. 
Mm. You know, e even amongst his family or the, the uh, you know, like the cultural environment that we're in, I've never felt that I should be, even if I had a better idea, saying it out loud because that disrespects him. And that's just so interesting, isn't it? But like, we can see that as something that is wrong when we see it in others or if we are observing but when we are living it we don't even realize it because mm, it's just part of the norm isn't it the culture norms if you kind of grow up with something or something's always around you you don't notice it until it's you're made to notice i guess in a sense isn't it yeah and i i, I think somebody said uh, recently to me manwara you need to learn how to play the game and i thought to myself i've been playing the game since i was a child you know, I, I still remember when I was about 14, 15, when my father would come to me and discuss like really important matters and then ask me for my ideas. And uh, it was almost like I was guiding him, mentoring him. And, and he was in his 60s, uh, 50s, maybe late 50s then. But it's just so interesting that like you could be leading. And I think there are many women like that who are doing all the donkey work and actually why should they not be paid and why should they not be in the limelight? And then we, history just repeats itself. We talk about like changing culture around, um, you know, making a level playing, uh, playing uh, field for men and women, gender equality. But how's that going to happen if the next generation of um, you know, women, uh, don't see women like me and you, mm -hmm. you know, I, that's why I think what you do in terms of the visibility work is so crucial. It's so crucial because, um, until, um, we are out there and people see us, there's no evidence that mm -hmm. we can and do do leadership. You know, I was very quietly working at Wolf and Forest Community Hub for years. Mm. I've been there for 13 years now, and I could quietly continue to work. But I think when you kind of invited me to, because I felt like I came to a point where I wanted to make a bigger impact. And obviously to make a greater impact, you need a greater platform. Otherwise, as a chief exec of a company or as a woman, if you want to encourage more women to lead, you're only going to hit so many people and you're only going to make so much impact within your organization. You might have 20 people you're impacting and a third of them might be women. But if you're on a platform like LinkedIn, or as you know, I also do YouTube, mm -hmm. you have a far greater you know, audience. And it's not about people buying my courses. It's about you know, uh, somebody heard what I said and decided tomorrow I'm going to go for that interview. Mm. Yeah, impact, impact. I like to talk about three things that happen when you increase your visibility, and that's number one, you increase your influence. Number two, you increase your income. And number three, you increase your impact. And they're all important in different ways. And you absolutely have touched on the, the very reason why I started this podcast and the work that I do in coaching women to be visible is you just said it spot on. Is that whole thing of if we don't see ourselves represented, like we cannot be the light for other people when we're hidden, you know? So my mission is to raise the visibility of women in every industry. So through conversations like these, through the work that I do directly with clients and through just what how the content that I put out on LinkedIn, my books, my resources, 
influencers, etc. So that is absolutely spot on. And I think that's it, it's I think we should all make it our mission, you know, to raise our own visibilities, because as we do that, we are shining a light for somebody else. And that in itself is incredibly powerful. So um, thank you for sharing that. So I want to talk about, I do want to talk about how you got to the place of recognizing your need for visibility. But before that, it's what does being visible mean to you? When you use those words, what does that mean to you specifically? I think being visible to me is very much connected to being authentic. You know, it's... um, visibility there's a huge amount of uh vulnerability attached to being visible as well most people will feel very uncomfortable being themselves and one of the things i've done and maybe perhaps that's why i didn't rise within my own leadership roles uh far sooner is that i wasn't comfortable i wasn't comfortable to share my personal journey as well as my professional journey um, because I don't feel that our personal lives and our professional lives are that much different. How you lead as a professional is very much uh, similar to how you lead on a personal level. You know, um, my family will probably tell you that themselves. Like, I think if my family had some conversation with my work colleagues or people I've line managed, they'd have a lot to talk about. They'll probably <laughs> find a lot to complain about, but equally there'll be a lot of similarities So I think, yeah, that's what I would say. But also, you know, Mildred, there's a huge alignment between what I studied. So I studied law. And one of the things we were, I I was trained uh, really well in is uh, research and evidence and the power and um, how crucial evidence is to winning a case. So the alignment, I see that very much in, in the whole branding and marketing exercise. When you're visible, that's evidence of your expertise. If you're not visible, nobody knows you exist. Mm-hmm. And also you cannot prove your expertise. I could I could write you like a whole like book, a long email of all my credentials, and you can see it all on my LinkedIn. Having, I mean, some people won't agree with me, but having a wonderful LinkedIn page with everything on it, it's not enough. Visibility is more than that. You know, the fact that I've been visible, I've had the right people approach me and say, we'd like to do an article on you because because I'm being me. And if we philosophically believe that every human being has been born with a unique purpose and a unique perspective, if we actually believe that, then I have to be myself because there's nobody out there that's going to be me. And and the more I'm being me, some people are reaching out and saying, oh, Nwara, you have a different thinking, thought process. And we want to hear more of that. So that's how doors are opening for me, opportunities. I'm connecting with people like globally. That's, that's yeah. And and the being me bit is important because it speaks to that whole thing of authenticity. And a lot of people, especially women, worry about if I'm visible, that means I have to trade in who I am and, me, and who I am. It means I have to be somebody else to be visible. It means I have to kind of come outside of myself. There's all these limits and beliefs that I, I in the conversations that I have with women I've had over the years that keep them from being visible. So you're right, authenticity is a key part of it because if you're being visible and you're not authentic with it, it won't, you won't be able to maintain it and it will burn you out and you won't enjoy it. 
and people will see through it eventually because it's not the real you. So visibility and authenticity for me do go hand in hand. So how did you get to that place? Because as you said, you were you were working as the chief exec of this charity for quite a bit. And then how did you get to that place where it was almost like enough is enough. I need to stop hiding and start being visible. What led you to that point of, and then reaching out to me to start that conversation and that journey to building your visibility on LinkedIn and beyond? I think it's easy to say, let's blame COVID for everything. (laughs) Because the pandemic was an excuse. um, And there was a lot of free time, I felt, um, where I could do uh, more. And I think in a couple of situations, I sat there waiting uh, to be invited and I felt quite disregarded. And a few comments about my ability, that really got me. Um, I mean, what little I have shared before has been around, you know, most of what has motivated me throughout my child, since my childhood, has always been uh, being told you can't do something. And then um, I just have this really innate, strong self-belief, which can sometimes come across as ego. And I've always been very mindful of that because, you know, you you read a lot about um, people that are quite self-motivated coming across like narcissistic or, you know, they think quite highly of themselves. So that's why I was, I've always played quite small because I can feel it. I also, with my high levels of empathy, I can feel when somebody is feeling like, oh, you know, she's being egotistical, whatever. But I think I just felt that I wasn't doing myself any favors and I was not doing any favors for any any other women like me by just playing small all the time. And um, because... I felt that somebody else would feel intimidated, made him quiet. It just didn't feel right. So that's how it kind of changed for me. So from what I understand, so it sounds like basically you had to keep yourself down for quite a bit because, as you said, play small because you don't want to appear egotistical to other people, you know. But I guess if it seems like one day it was almost like, I can't live like this anymore. I have to be true to myself. Is that is that correct? Am I putting words in your mouth? Well, I I, I realized that I think partly um, I wanted everything around me to, to grow and I was advising and encouraging others to grow. And then I realized, but if I'm holding myself back, what example am I setting? Do you understand? So in a way, I I understood that concept hit me really hard. That evolution requires us all. So if you're if you're on a ladder, you need to go up the next rug to free up the space for the next person to um, you know climb up. So that that kind of hit me quite hard during the pandemic because I I was trying to understand why people I had been really, really pushing and trying to help grow were not growing. And I realized because I was not setting a good example. Mm -hmm. And in a way, I had to set that good example. And it wasn't comfortable. And, you know, it's not, I don't want anyone listening to me to assume that being authentic and vulnerable is easy. Well, 
I now know it's easy because actually I couldn't care less what people think if I've only got five minutes to record something and let it go on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. I've got that confidence now. But what I'm saying is like, it took a long time to get to that point. And I, and I see and I talk to lots of chief execs in other charities where they're scared about repercussions. I was always very open. I've always been very open with my organization, with my colleagues. In fact, the more I'm doing this, the more like they're cheering me on. Mm. They're loving it. And and this that has been my hardest lesson, that a lot of the judgment was from me and not from other people. And I guess for any of your listeners right now, this is a really, really important point because a judgment is coming from within. It's not an external judgment. We may make assumptions, but if you explain to your Um, line managers, if you are very open and honest to your colleagues, they can see what you're doing. You know, the thing is, there's so many elements to us as human beings. As a woman, there's so many things I like. I like to bake and cook. My job's not going to allow me to do that. They will say, get away. We're not paying you to cook and bake. Uh (laughs) Right? But we must, as human beings, find ways to, you know, like give ourselves that joy uh, in the things that make us happy. So I find that being a lot more flexible in my work because my employer, my organization enables that. It also means that the rest of the organization, we are actually ahead in terms of um, culturally how we're changing because you've got organizations of our size still operating like they were operating 20 years ago, where you've got this small little tiny organization in Wolf and Forest that's operating like their leaders way ahead of the sector. And people are now saying, to me, Omunwara, um, actually, you've got a point and you're doing things that are really helping. So I'm now using my platform to shine or, or throw the spotlight on community leadership because, you know, there are leaders of big companies and organizations. But the community leaders are the people that I think that are in the dark and they need to come out. And those are the people that are doing it silently and, in fact, Um, the sheer fact that they care enough and that they're so passionate, they will have a huge community that will come forward to help them when they want to make transformative change within the community. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so that's kind of in a nutshell, like, well, there's going to be many nutshells, but (laughs) (laughs) visibility. Mm -hmm. See, I've seen firsthand how your visibility has evolved over the years, um, you know, on LinkedIn and, and all the other things that you've gone to do. Because initially, um, and, and you can tell me whether your visibility had a role in this, but um, you, as you said, you, you're setting an excellent example as a community leader because there's not many community leaders who are doing what you're doing, who are showing up. And you show up, I think it's every day or maybe somewhere like that where you're posting regularly, you're sharing useful things, you're sharing your thoughts, you introduced LinkedIn Live series over the years. And one of the things that impacted me the most that I saw you do was when you started your project um, back in Bangladesh where you're building homes for women. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and how your LinkedIn community kind of got involved in that whole process? 
that that's an amazing example to talk about because it it's it was an emotional journey for me because I know I'm a good fundraiser it's what I've been doing for years um but like to actually see see how the light bulb went off in people's minds and they could see the evidence of what I was talking about made such a big difference. So when I put a call out and I talked about um, building homes in Bangladesh for widows and divorcees, you think about impact, you look at the correlation between women living in the UK that have like, you know, where we don't have anywhere near the kind of challenges women in Bangladesh face where, you know, they're extremely vulnerable, they're at risk of rape, they are at risk of being abducted and and dying of starvation and living in like the extreme uh, conditions. And you think about, um, I saw it very much as an opportunity to provide the women in this country to have uh, an opportunity to touch women so far away in another country by doing what they were doing. So for me, it wasn't about being able to raise the funds. It was about bringing a community together and then everyone uh, had playing a role in raising the money. Because as a fundraiser, I could probably do it on my own, but there's no joy in that. Mm-hmm. The joy comes when people come together. So when I did put it on um, LinkedIn, we then, a few of my connections on LinkedIn we created a few meetings. We then went on to climb Ben Nevis. Now, Ben Nevis itself was a personal journey. That's another thing I do in my leadership. So I learned a long time ago, challenges are a great way of building teams and also challenges bring out the real you. So you can wear a mask as thick as anything, but when you're on a challenge, everything, the mask falls and everyone is seen for who they truly are. And that's why I love a challenge, you know. And so we did the Ben Nevis. Then the uh, challenger in me and the hungry monster that I am, I wanted to find a way also to provide an opportunity for young women to be involved in it. Because I, I, I see like, in terms of vision, I see the huge alignment, but sometimes it's so far apart, you cannot... Other people may not easily anticipate, okay, if I flip the domino here, it will hit this one, that one, that one, and eventually it will make the impact or the the dot will hit the bullseye. So getting young women who haven't even, who are in college under like a certain 19 years old doing this kind of thing, they organized a big event where I said, you're going to make the decisions. I'm going to be there as your mentor and your guide. I gave them a small budget. I told them to stick to it. And they thought it was going to be impossible. But in their efforts, and they were extremely scared um, of failing, but in their efforts to like step up and seize the opportunity, they actually smashed the target. They did what they thought was not achievable. And that for me was such a big deal. And now, even as I think yesterday I shared with the girls um, that the first house has completed and we're going to start the second house in a week's time. And they just couldn't believe it. One house completed, obviously the second house will be complete, um, will start actually in a week's time. So it's such an exciting thing that we managed to achieve together. And 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 this is the thing I said to you earlier about the self-belief side. I have such 
strong self-belief and that can come across as being too confident sometimes but I think a lot of it has to do with reflecting back to all the things I've achieved in life where sometimes in the most uh, incredibly challenging and daunting circumstances it's made me realize that I can do a lot of things um, and I don't normally say it out loud because due to fear of being judged as being overconfident. But, uh, you know, the women, the young women were given an opportunity and this is the problem. There's not enough opportunities for young women to excel and to shine and to believe in themselves. Because if when we start believing in ourselves, we are then able to step up and take like uh accept greater opportunities or even ask for them because you as you will probably bring up at some point the other thing that we're not very good at is asking mm. so so and 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 I when I was working with these young women picked up so much of it and it did really help me to shape my leadership program the trailblazer program um because I started off in one way and even the work with the young women was almost like running that trailblazer program. And, you know, you get to the end because there's uh, six elements of the program. And the first few sessions are very much focused on like um, self-awareness, empowerment. And it's very, uh, it's not each of those areas that I, we work with the women is not just focused at the internal, but also the external. So there's, there's something in the self-awareness around learning about yourself, but also learning about others that you work with. Because if you can't do that, it's really hard um, to lead a particular team if you can't understand other people. Uh, mm -hmm. Similarly with empowerment, you've got self-empowerment where you are tapping into your own inner champion. But at the same time, you need to um, be able to ask for help and tap into your network to empower you to go further. So that whole journey around building houses, it started off with the idea of two, but the innovator in me, each time we go to build a new house, it's nice to do a, a different kind of fundraiser. So right now for next year, I'm planning to go international on a challenge and some of my LinkedIn contacts are going to be part of that and they've already expressed interest. So this, this is going to be really exciting. I'm not going to tell you which country. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be Bangladesh, but we will be traveling abroad and we'll be traveling for three, four days to, um, not traveling for three, four days, but we'll be, it will be a trip for three, four days where we climb a mountain and raise money. Oh, 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 you've got my ears perking up because... Um, <laughs> Like you, Mawara, I am very much into challenges and challenging myself. And and, and like you, I think I, I kind of have an innate self-belief as well, um, which is for me is also further underscored by my faith as well. And in terms of what is possible for me to achieve in life, there's no limits. And sometimes we don't know what's possible for us until we press through that challenge. So I definitely want to hear more about that, <laughs> about what you're planning for next year. Um, but in terms of that, as we kind of round up on this, because visibility in itself, that can be a challenge because, again, sometimes people 
Phil, I was one of those people because um, I'm an introvert by nature. I know you're the opposite because we've had these conversations, right? I know you're and you're an extrovert by nature, but I'm an introvert by nature. And I used to think that the in front of the speech marks, in front of the camera stuff, the unstaged stuff, all of that kind of stuff is reserved for certain types of people who just have it naturally, you know. So, and I used to think that when I was a lot younger, that you're even naturally confident and ready to be visible or you're not. But actually I've learned that that's not the truth, you know, that you can get to a place where you constantly push yourself past your comfort zone until it is no longer uncomfortable and it becomes a new level of comfort. And then you push to the next comfort zone, et cetera, et cetera. So how has your evolution in visibility being how has that journey been for you have you grown from confidence to confidence to confidence and or 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 has it kind of been like you know as somebody who as you said had this innate belief in yourself did you from the get-go think I'm gonna do this I got this and I'm gonna stick with it yeah absolutely I think my confidence has grown and um, to the point where, like, you know, I'm doing a lot more. Um, the whole like, introversy and extroversy thing, it's not true. Uh, I do like to talk, but I have always had, I've always judged myself very harshly when it comes to public speaking. And I think I've said this before, growing up in a inner city area, uh, living in a council estate, and uh, believing that you could only go so far. I still remember the times when I would stand in front of the mirror and practice speaking because I wanted to make sure that I spoke well enough um, because I'd entered the legal profession and I wanted to fit in, right? So I would practice making sure I wasn't using swear words. Um, uh, Some people might be really shocked. Yes, I did used to use those words when I was a teenager. But when I hit university, it was like, and this is the thing, like even as we're talking now, it's hitting me, like we always have control over those things. And even then I had this ability to uh, adapt in those circumstances and start talking posh in front of my lecturers because I wanted to fit in. So it's quite, it's it's all very interesting, um, especially the reflective side of things. Um, and I think as I'm growing more and more confident, in fact, um, I have been doing more interviews. I have been more active on YouTube. I've My uh, following is increasing. Um, how do I juggle that with my work? Well, I've got to say I have the most amazing team but I have to do my job too. And I have certain targets to meet. So long as I'm meeting my targets, I can still do that. And I think something that I want to advocate, especially for women of my age in their forties, my children have flown the nest. So my children are a lot, well, my daughter's at uni, she'll be back soon, but my children are a lot older. So I think like, you know, I was talking to a couple of women recently who were interested in my coaching was, you know, people think you get to a certain age and you've spent your entire life just focusing on your children and your full-time job and there's no time for me. I want to really seriously point out that 40s and when your children are older is the time for you. I kind of feel like now is my time 
and nothing's going to stop me. And what you said earlier about this innate and a lot of feeling and it comes from faith. I'm a firm believer, I, I guess, whether you want to call it faith, spirituality, for those who don't, you know, believe in a particular faith. But I do feel like the thoughts wouldn't be put in my head or planted in my head or my heart if I wasn't meant to do it. That's how I see it. And and I guess that's where a lot of my confidence comes from. And pe- when people say to me, you're doing too much, I don't want to argue, but I'm only doing as much as I know I can do based on what I've been able to do. How many 17, 18-year-old girls have you known who've been like a carer for their elderly mother or, or mentally ill mother at the same time as holding down a job and doing three A-levels, you know, especially when they, they were told they weren't capable? And I have to keep on rubbing on about it, but... But you, and on top of that, volunteering in the local community centre, the youth club, being a trustee on a board. How many 18, 19, 20-year-olds do you know that could juggle so much at that age? So if I was always an octopus, how are you going to change me now? Mm. You know, they say um, practice makes you, if you um, try to master something consistently, the longer you do it, it becomes easy for you. So you try and apply that to my circumstances. A chief exec of a small charity has to be spinning plates all the time. This is why I'm master of the role that I play, because I know how to spin those plates. I've been learning since I was 18, and I've never really stopped. So when you say, and lots of people say to me, Munwara, you're doing too much, what you don't realize is as Munwara is becoming more and more confident and as Munwara is realizing how she needs to grow and get to the next level, Munwara is also realizing that she needs teams to do things. So I have teams in Bangladesh. You know, I have a teacher that I pay in Bangladesh and there are several people. I pay nothing, but they do it because they want to do it. When people are passionate about something and they understand the outcome or the impact, your word, impact, Mm -hmm. they will do it. They will do it. So I don't have to force anyone, but I, some people may see that as, oh, is it manipulation? Because I've had that as well. Mm-hmm. But you're only going to, surely, Mildred, you're only going to do what you feel passionate about doing. Yeah. I'm just I, yeah. And you, and I think actually you, there's a word that you kept saying several times about visibility being the evidence you know, of the things. There's one thing saying, I I can do this, I'm doing this. But when you're visible about it, people can see the evidence of your leadership. They can see your posts. They can see you over there with the pictures from Bangladesh and the houses you've built. They can see you doing these things. It's easy to believe in somebody like that because now it's like, okay, this person is credible. Um, I can see that she's going places. I can see evidence of the things that she's done in the past. And I can I hear from her on a regular basis. I'm hearing from Mawara regularly. So now I'm sold. You know, whatever it is you're selling, I'm sold. So people buy into your vision and then it's easy for them to buy from you or buy into the vision that you have and help you express that. And that comes from, part of that comes from the visibility and you expressing that on the platform like LinkedIn and beyond. Yeah, and and it's that continuous impact. I Why should it just be 
me and my small group of, um, you know, band of men and women that build houses, why not like every village in Bangladesh, a group of people come together and build a home for a woman and her daughters. So that's that's one of the things I'm looking into at the moment. I want to develop some sort of a blueprint that mm-hmm. I can then um, sell, but um, you can call it sell, but like it's it's more about, I keep thinking about how do I scale this up? How do I multiply it? Because what me, myself and uh, the, the group that have achieved by climbing Ben Nevis can be done by so many people. Like you don't, to build a house in Bangladesh, it only cost us 1600 pounds. That's nothing compared to, you know, like that's even less than a person's monthly salary, right? So I would love to see more people doing that because there's not enough of me or enough of Veronica or enough of, you know, Kate or Gula, whoever was on those challenges. Um, again, that that is also the the mind thinking, okay, how do I multiply the impact? I'm talking about it now. And I hope mm-hmm. that anyone listening um, and wants to learn, I want to be able to teach people how to do it so that people can have that impact. Mm, fantastic. And, and I do hope that if you are listening to this and this resonates in any way, please do reach out to Mawara. Um, via LinkedIn, via, and I'll get her to share where in, in just a few seconds, but do reach out and plug into her vision because it is really amazing what she's planning to do, the even greater good she's planning to do in the world. Um, okay, so Manwara, before you let us know how we can get hold of you, um, can you leave us with one final thought in terms of on the whole visibility scale? If somebody's listening to this and they're on a fence about whether or not they should start being visible, um, right now where they are, what advice would you give to them? What advice would I give to them? I would say uh, everything starts with looking within you. Um, Have a think about or reflect on your own personal journey up until now. And there will be lots of clues of how you have led yourself up to this point. And I think I would like to see more women to disrupt the current status quo by taking on the leadership helm. You know, if there's a position, go for it. Because if you reflect, you will find that you absolutely already have the the courage within you and all the uh, necessary skills to step up. Your lived experience is a big clue. The only thing I would say is make sure that you are connecting and networking with the right people, finding a mentor who can actually guide you through the process because it's not easy. And I have had to lean on lots of people on my journey, Mildred. So I would say if you are serious about growing yourself as a leader, please consider how you can connect with your existing network and lean on people, Um, find yourself a mentor coach and um, start, just get started. You know, you've got to start somewhere. It's never going to be the right time or the right place. Just get started and on the journey, you will learn and you will grow. Mm, Awesome. That's brilliant, brilliant. Just get started, which is what this show is about. Start being visible. Start being visible. Mawara, thank you so much for your time today. Where can we find out more about you? How do you want people to connect with you if they want to know more? The best place to connect with me is probably LinkedIn. 
my LinkedIn profile, but also I have a YouTube channel uh, with the handle Munwara Ali. You'll find me on uh, my YouTube channel um, and, you know, feel free to send me messages and um, if you've got some questions, um, also via my LinkedIn. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, brilliant. Well, that brings us to a close for another edition of Start Be Invisible podcast. So I am, I don't know about you, but I'm so inspired by all the great conversations that we're having on this show. So if you have enjoyed today's conversation, please like, please rate, please review, and most importantly, please subscribe so you don't miss out on any of our weekly episodes. But for now, thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to seeing you next week. You've been listening to the Start Be Invisible podcast with me, Mildred Talavi. If you're a female leader or a woman in business and you're ready to start your own journey to be invisible on LinkedIn and beyond, get in touch with me via LinkedIn or reach out to me through my website at startbeinvisible.com. Now, don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your way out and I'll see you next week for another five episodes.